Today I want to deliver a message to you entitled, It Starts at Home. Joshua chapter 24, verse 15 says, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It is my prayer that that becomes a decision of every family at, at Resurrection Life Church. That we make a solid, firm foundation. That as for me and my household, as for me and my whole family, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And as we talked about last week and even the week before, serving the Lord not according to our ideas of what that looks like, but according to his holy lifestyle. And what thus saith the Lord in the word of God. To live by that um, constitution of faith, the holy word of God. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Can you say amen? Everything starts at home. Um, what you are behind closed doors and curtained windows is who you really are. Um, it's who you really represent, who you really are in your heart, in the secrecy of your home. We're all pretty adept at putting on a pretty good face and a pretty good exterior in public, especially when we go to church we do everything we can to represent our best and to represent our best side. But who and what you are in your home, that's what really, what really counts. Who do your kids see you to be? How's that different from Sunday morning on church, at church? How, who does your spouse see you to be, and how is that different on Sunday morning at church? Yeah, this is kind of a come-to-Jesus message because I think the whole idea of choosing life is a come-to-Jesus um, con concept, amen? And the dedication of babies is a come-to-Jesus concept as well. It's a line in the sand. It's not just a ceremony and a ritual and the giving of a certificate and a rose. It's, it's, it's a serious, serious deal. So what do the kids see? And I think I want you to reflect upon that for a moment. What do, what do they see at home? And do they see a different you at church than at home? What does a spouse see? Husbands, what do, you, what do your wives see at home? Are you Mr. Holy Ghost Man at the church and Mr. Other Ghost Man at the house? Do your kids uh, see you shouting and praising and carrying your Bible on Sunday, but you don't open it all, day, all week long? What do they see? Who are you really? 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 4 in the New King James Version says, Let them first, everybody say first, let them first learn piety. Piety, and I added in parentheses godliness. That, that's the best way to describe that word piety. Let them first learn to show godliness at home. Where does it start? It doesn't start at the church. The, the church just throws gasoline on a fire that should already be there. If you're depending upon the church to start the fire for you, to get everything going that needs to be going, and I must pause and stop, I'm sorry. Some of my grandkids just walk in. Oh, and my other kids too. Hey, baby, come here and see your papa for a minute. Oh, I haven't seen you in so long. Hey, pumpkin. Mm, you never have to be sorry. Good to see you. Blame the weather. Blame the weather. That's all right. Are you going to hang out with me or you want to sit with Mama? Grandma? You want to sit with Grandma? Okay. I'm sorry. I, well, 
The father always interrupts all of life for his kids, amen? So I'm happy to interrupt. Good to see you guys. Love you. Love you both. I don't know if I ever said hello to this little guy. Hi, Flinny. Hey, I got a little hey. (laughs) Where was I? Oh, yeah. Let them first show, learn to show piety, or let them first learn godliness at home. They should be learning the principles of godliness before they ever show up to the house of God. You know, we as parents many times have defaulted upon children's ministry or, the, or at church to be the place of all of our kids learning, and that's not, that's not where it happens. It starts at home. It starts at home. Number one on your handout is learn to show reverence to God first at home. But then again, that takes us back to that question, what do your kids see? Do they see a different you on Sunday morning in all of your piety than they see at home when the shades are drawn? Are you watching shows that you ought not be watching uh, that have gratuitous sex and other types of things in there, and, and yet on Sunday morning you, you amen the preacher when he talks negatively about that stuff? I mean, what are, they, what are they learning at home? And the Scripture says that it starts at home. This is a place of overflow. The house of God is a place of overflow, and it's a place of encouragement, and it's a place of reinforcement, but it's not the place of fundamental beginning training. It starts at home. One cannot successfully build a happy home without Jesus. You may be living without Jesus, but you don't have a life without Jesus. It's just the facts. It's unfortunate, though, that in our homes is where we often sink to the lowest depths. For some, even the lowest depths of depravity, and for others, we're just not very Christian at home. We let all that down. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4 in the New Living Translation of the Bible says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and the instruction that comes from the Lord. Number two on your handout is to train our children for God is the highest of all high tasks. There's no other high task in your life that's higher than the task of raising your children. Let them learn first learn piety, godliness, reverence for God, and all that, that encompasses God. May they first learn that at home. May that be the starting place. And not because you put in a video, but because they see it in you, Mom, and they see it in you, Dad. They see it in you, Grandpa, and they see it in you, Grandma. Sure is quiet in this Holy Ghost church this morning. Pastor, this is supposed to be a baby dedication day. Would you soften up a little bit? No, no, I will not. Now, I'm not here today to tell you how to train or control your children. No, I'm not. But what I do say is that you can probably not commit a greater blunder in life than to fail to do so. To train and control, train and control, train and control. And by the way, did I say train and control? Your children. Biggest blunder 
than you can ever make to just let, you know what, God didn't call you to be their friend. No, you're not supposed to be their friend. You're their mommy and you're their daddy. And maybe they'll come an age like we are with our family right now. You know, my daughters are great friends with Diane and great friends with me, even though she's still mom and I'm still dad. But our rights of parenting are over. All right? So you don't want to raise your... I'm getting off point here, but I'm going to get, just say it anyway, okay? You don't want to raise your kids with the idea, well, I just want them to be my friend. No, that's not even, there's nowhere in the scripture that tells you that that's how you're supposed to raise your kids. Mm-mm. So, again, I'm not here to tell you how to train your kids or how to control them, but what I am saying is that you can't commit a greater blunder in life than to fail to do so. And a father and a mother never ought to be doing a thing that they do not want their children to do. Can I get a better amen from somebody? Encourage me just a little bit this morning. Okay? I mean, if you don't want them to smoke, then don't smoke. If you don't want them to drink, then don't drink. If you don't want them to cuss, uh oh, then don't cuss. And what good does it do to you to be in your workshop and hit your thumb with a hammer and then cuss and then spank your son because he said the same thing you did? I guess I'm a little punchy today. What's that? Punch away, he said. Punch away, punch away. All right, if anybody gets a black eye, it's Steve's fault. If you don't want them to skip church... Uh oh, then don't skip church. Because guess what? Kids are the grand imitators. They imitate anything that mommy and daddy does. That's number three on your paper. Children are the grand imitators. What they see you do, they will do. And guess what? What they don't see you do, they won't do. So we're laying up our for ourselves, I believe, severe reckonings with God Almighty if we're doing everything to feed our children, to educate our children, but we're starving them of a spiritual life. And the only spiritual existence that they have is when you offload them to children's ministry on Sunday morning. Michael, where are you when I need you, brother? He's got an app on his phone. He's got the sound of crickets. And I'm like, he ought to know by now the timing of getting that thing done. Let's keep a, a microphone in Michael's hands at all times so at those seriously awkward, silent moments we can hear the sound. Cricket, cricket, cricket. So children are the grand imitators. I mean, can uh, hang on to your seats. I'm sorry. It's in the notes. The notes are what God gave me. So deal with it. Children are the grand imitators. Can parents lie about a child's age to get the lower cost meal or whatever it is and yet expect truthfulness? Hallelujah. Can parents receive too much change at the checkout line and keep that change and then expect their children are going to grow up to be honest? Can parents tell little white lies? and expect their children to be filled with truthfulness? Can parents 
Amen. Thank you. Thank you. That's right. Emily, you ought to know not to stand her up in front of me with a smile because I just lose, I lose everything and I'm just totally drawn right, right there to that little light. Can parents habitually absent themselves from prayer and then expect their children to be prayerful? Can parents absent themselves habitually from coming to church and then somehow expect that their children will love going to the house of God when they get of the age of decision? I've seen it work completely the other way. No parent can say from their hearts, we have no greater joy than to hear that our children walk in truth when they themselves do not walk in truth. Oh, I am leading somewhere. I know it's baby dedication day. But I got a different angle on that this morning. You see, it should be the holy ambition of every parent that all of his household is renewed by the Holy Spirit of God. It should be a holy ambition of every parent that every one of their children and every one of their grandchildren know Jesus Christ with a deep and meaningful, authentic relationship. Not just a shallow church experience. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 4, let them first learn to show piety, godliness, reverence to God at home. Because they're not going to learn it at school. Herbert Lee, he's a Baptist preacher in the early 1900s, he said this. Joni, you'll love this one about musicians. Herbert Lee, a Baptist preacher in the early 1900s, said, I fear that if musicians were as blundering in the musical realm as we are in showing a spiritual life at home, what a mournful monotony of jangling disharmony our musical efforts would be. That was really cool, wasn't it? That's only half of it. Here's the other part. If doctors were as careless in their practice of medicine as many are in our manifestations of a Christ-like spirit in home, there would be large additions to all cemeteries. Thank you, Herbert Lee. So let us learn to show piety at home, first at home, every hour, every day, every week, every month, every year, every moment. May our children see in us the authenticity of who we truly are in Christ and not a difference behind locked doors and curtained windows than what they may see on Sunday morning. Psalm 127.3 says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. This is number four on your handout. It says, one of our greatest responsibilities in life is the stewardship of our children. Probably no greater responsibility than you have in life, that you have in life, than to be a good steward of the children that God has loaned you. What and who they become as adults is a direct result of your stewardship or lack thereof as a parent. It is. Well, we can blame it on society if you want. You can blame it on culture if you want. You can blame it on peer pressure if you want. But what they need to see is you being stalwart in your faith, stalwart in your lifestyle for God, stalwart in your agreement with the Spirit of God to live according to God's holy lifestyle. 
and to raise them up in that nurture and in that admonition at whatever cost. Nobody got the microphone to Michael yet, did they? Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Today, we're going to have a baby dedication. And it is for the child, yes, but only in respect to the fact that we're going to bless them and anoint them. And for the most part, maybe to every part, they have no clue that they're getting blessed or they're getting anointed. They just know that some strange bald guy is going to hold them. Okay, But they don't really, quite frankly, it shouldn't be called Baby Dedication Day. It should be called Parent Dedication Day. That's the whole thrust of this message hasn't been about that little baby. That little baby is a gift from God who knows nothing more than mommy is the only one in life that can fix anything. Until <laughs> they get, you know, about six or eight and then they realize, daddy fix it. But everything still, why would that child, you know, in this Etta's age, earlier today when, they, when Emily and Etta walked in, I went to say Etta, and she looked at me, and then she looked at her mom, which I think she was simply getting approval, as though everything's okay to smile at that guy. <laughs> and then she turned and smiled at me. And I saw it right there. She needed that security. You know, what? It comes from the parent. It starts at home. Oh, dear heavens. So this should be called, a, and it is, I'm calling it today, parent dedication. Emily, Steve, Stacy, it's a parent dedication. I'm not calling you up yet. You're, you're ready, I can tell. I'm exhorting you right now. So it's all right. Um, dedicating you. This is that moment, number five on your paper. Here it is. This is that moment when a parent publicly makes a commitment of stewardship over the child. To raise that child in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And to do everything in their power to make certain that their little hearts are geared toward God. That should be your life. That should be your destiny. That should be your calling as a parent. To make sure their little hearts are geared toward God. At whatever cost. Today is a powerfully important uh, event in the life of a family. No question about it. it, it, it it's a public thing. It's a, it, it is a ceremony. It is a ritual in the church. Dedicating babies is one of the sacerdotal duties of every ordained minister, a duty that pretty much Uncle Sam expects you do in order to qualify as an ordained minister. So it's something we do, and it's a very important Ceremony is a very important act, but little Etta, quite honestly, isn't going to have a clue about what we're about to do. Right on. Now you got her looking at me upside down and smiling. How do you ever expect me to preach? She's like, Papa, look at me. So it's, it is a powerfully important today, regardless of what Emily and Etta are doing. But it, you know what? It doesn't start here. It just continues here. It, it, it is advanced here, but it starts at home. 
I found this great poem uh, in one of my books. I have this little library of books called Classic, Classic Sermons on Different Subjects, and I usually will peruse those books for an illustration or a poem or something that just kind of helps me focus in on the day. And there was a poem in there, and it was, it's a poem that was written, uh, I can't remember by whom, I'm sorry, um, where the parent asks a question and the child answers, okay? So there's the uh, kind of picture of this poem. Where did you come from, baby dear? Out of nowhere, into here. Where did you get those eyes so blue? Out of the sky as I came through. What makes the light in them sparkle and spin? Some of the starry twinkles left in. Where did you get that little tear? I found it waiting when I got here. What makes your forehead so smooth and high? A soft hand stroked it as I went by. What makes your cheek like a warm white rose? I saw something better than anyone knows. Whence that three-cornered smile of bliss? Three angels gave me at once a kiss. Where did you get this pearly ear? God spoke and it came out to hear. Where did you get those arms and hands? Love made itself into bonds and bands. Feet, and don't we love little baby feet? Right? Feet, whence did you come, you darling things? From the same box as cherub's wings. How did they all come to be you? God thought about me, and so I grew. But how did you come to us, you dear? God thought about you, and so I am here. Amen.